This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Well, good morning. My name is Joe Merrick. I'm the lead pastor here at Journey, and we are so thrilled that you are here with us on this very special day, this Mother's Day. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us today. Uh, I want to encourage everybody this morning as we get started to reach into the seat back in front of you and to find uh, the Connect card. Uh, The Connect card is a great way for you to communicate with the church. If you're new, we especially want to encourage you to fill out that uh, uh, contact information. We would love to send you uh, something in the mail just as a thank you this week. But even if you're not, there are are not new. Uh, There are so many things that we would love uh, to have there. Uh, There are places you can list decisions you've made, prayer requests you might have, other pieces of information you want the church to have is a great, great place uh, for you to communicate with us. You can drop those connect cards in the offering bags as they go by or in the boxes as you exit today. Uh, With that, let me just pray for us and then we'll jump in. Lord God, thank you so much for some tremendous time of worship. This is such a blessing and reminder to come and to sing your praises, God. Because you truly are great. You truly are glorious. You truly make such a difference in our lives. And today we just celebrate that. And we ask, God, that you open our hearts. That you open our minds. And that your presence, as it's here, as it stirs inside of us, help us to be obedient and open to what you have to say to us. In your name we pray, amen. Well, again, uh, happy Mother's Day. Good morning. We're so excited that you are here with us today. Today we're taking a break from our Outcast series, and we're going to say thank you to moms. We're going to say thank you to moms, and we're going to try and learn something from them as well. When I think about uh, moms, the moms in my life, what impresses me the most is that they're difference makers. You go and you ask someone, uh, someone you look up to, someone who you respect, you ask them who made a difference in your life, who kind of formed you the way that you are, and it doesn't take that person long to list mom. Whether it's having just the right words at just the right moment, or maybe it's just the constant presence in love, moms make a difference. As we begin today, as we begin to think about kind of that idea, and uh, here's just a few words from Amy Simpson. She's a mom and an author, and she writes about how uh, motherhood is powerful. Here's some words from her. Motherhood will make you richer in love than you ever thought possible. And love, she says, is powerful. Motherhood makes you tremendously vulnerable to a thousand new ways that your heart can be broken. It takes a very gutsy woman to live with that level of emotional exposure. 
Motherhood, she says, will deepen your emotional life and bring your feelings so much closer to the surface. But laughing and crying easily, it doesn't mean you're falling apart. It just might hold you together when everything else falls apart. Motherhood might leave you with physical scars, changes to your body, but it will build muscles you didn't know you had. She says motherhood changes your values. And if you embrace that change, she says, you'll find that you don't care much about the things other people need to feel significant or hip. Motherhood helps you appreciate the simplest things in life. But it will also help you think more deeply about them. Far from simple-minded, you will reach new levels of complexity. Motherhood, she says, might make you tired. But you'll have access to new sources of energy. Being a mom will transform your powers of observation. And your excitement over what you notice. Being a mother, she says, changes your vision, opens a set of eyes you didn't know you had. And lastly, she writes, being a mother will change the way you feel about God. Because it will change the way you imagine God seeing you. Because if God sees you the way you see your kids, she says, well, that's just really cool. I love being loved that way, she adds. And lastly, she says, mothers are one powerful picture of God's relationship to us. I love those, that last line, that mothers are one powerful picture of God's relationship to us. I love it because it's true. I love it because God and mothers have this incredible capacity to love and that love makes a difference in our lives. It's almost as if it's magic. This morning we have just a short video about the magic of being a mom. Enjoy this with me. Hey. Okay. What you doing? It's for mommy. Oh. Can I help? Sure. Cool. So how do we do this? So you got some glue. Mm-hmm. You are a genius. You know your mom is magic, right? No, she isn't. Yeah, every mom is. God made them with special power. Whatever you give her, she makes it better. You don't believe me? If you give her ingredients like flour, sugar, and eggs, she turns it into a cake. I like cake. See? And when we got this house, it was... Kind of empty and, and boring, but your mom made it our home. I heard you last night. I told her all your fears, and she turned them into prayers. 
Here's the coolest thing. I gave her nine months, and she gave me you. Does that mean when I grow up to be a mommy, I'll be magic? Even better. God made all women magic. You already are. that little girl just so too cute, too cute. I hope that video reminds you, uh, reminds you of how magical the moms in your life are. Because moms truly do make a difference. Today I want to share a story with you uh, from the scriptures about a woman who made a difference in the Bible. A difference not just for one family, but for an entire nation. And she did this by uh, using the place that God had put her in being faithful and courageous in responding to what uh, the situation in God calls her to do. Her name is Esther. And uh, as we kind of talk about this story, what I want you to encourage you to do today is to look at it through this framework with this idea in mind. That one person can make a difference. One person can make a difference. You can make a difference. I can make a difference. You can make a difference in someone's day, in someone's week, in someone's life. And yes, with God's help, even in someone's eternal destiny. Uh, So as I give some context today to kind of the story where we're going to pick it up, just keep that in mind, that framework that we all can make a difference. <coughs> Excuse me. The story goes something like this. Esther was uh, poor. Uh, she was a Jewish orphan girl in a foreign city. And one day she became queen of ancient Persia because she was beautiful on the outside and the inside. Uh, Esther's adoptive father, Mordecai, became an influential uh, person in society. He kind of had a great uh, position. People looked up to him. He was in the capital city in uh, Susa, the capital city. And we know of his influence because it says in the scripture that he sat outside near the gate of the city. That was a place where people of influence uh, kind of... uh, People would bring their problems to them and they would talk them through it. So uh, Mordecai has this kind of uh, position where he's wise and he's uh, a mentor to many people. 
Haman is kind of the next character in the story that we'll see. Haman is the, uh, he's the evil one. He's the enemy. He's petty and insecure. He's some high-ranking official in the king, King Xerxes' uh, cabinet. And he hates Mordecai. He's jealous of Mordecai, of the influence he has over the people, over the wisdom he has. He's, he's frustrated with uh, Mordecai because he doesn't believe he shows him the proper respect. And he wants Mordecai dead. And he goes as far as to build gallows outside of his house where he wants to hang uh, Mordecai, Haman. Haman's the bad one. Mordecai is, I always mix those two up. Haman's bad. Mordecai is the good guy. Okay. Now I said that clearly. Uh, Esther kind of, she finds out, I'm sorry, Mordecai doesn't stop there. He's not just uh, satisfied with uh, trying to hang. uh, I did it again. Haman is frustrated. Uh, uh, He doesn't want to stop there uh, with hanging Mordecai. He uh, wants to exterminate. He wants to get rid of all of Mordecai's people, all the Jewish people. And so he tricks the king into making a decree that on a single day, all of uh, Mordecai's people will be killed. Esther finds out about this. She and her friends, uh, the, the nation... They fast and they pray for three days. And then Esther kind of takes this risky venture. She goes to the king. She shows up at the the king's uh, throne. And and it wasn't, you were not supposed to do that if you didn't have an appointment to see the king. Even if you were the queen and you showed up, it could mean certain death. But she shows up. The king is happy to see her. And he grants her an audience. And Esther there invites uh, the king And Haman, the bad one, see, you got it right that time? Uh, He invites the king and Haman to dinner. And so uh, the the story kind of continues on a little bit. Um, The king, King Xerxes, he can't sleep. And so he has his royal records read to him. In the meantime, this is kind of a side story. Uh, and so the records get read to him and he, it, this part gets read where a few years before, five years before Mordecai, uh, had saved the king from uh, a plot to kill him through Esther. And what's more is discovered, uh, the king realizes he never did anything to honor Mordecai. He just let it go. And so now he's got this new mission. He wants to honor Mordecai. And in the process, he hears that Haman, the bad one, is in the palace. And so he calls Haman in and he says to Haman, Haman, hey, if I really wanted to honor somebody, if there was somebody who did something great for me, what should I do? Now, Haman is there because he wants to convince the king to hang Mordecai. But, and so he, 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 tells uh, the king, because he thinks he's talking about himself, he goes way over the top, right? Uh, in verse 9, it says, he puts a ro- put a royal crown on his head. Let him ride your horse through the streets. Even put a crown on the horse's head. Have someone lead the horse through the streets and announce all that this man has done for the king. Then, of course, the poetic justice comes. And... Uh, The king reveals to Haman that all these things are for Mordecai. 
And that he should be the one to lead him through the streets. So now he has to lead his enemy through the streets, declaring all that God or all that he has done for the king. And you can see it just probably made Haman's jaw hit the floor. He can't believe he's got to do this for Mordecai. So all of this happens in the day. He comes home. He has to tell his, his wife and all his friends about this embarrassing day he's had. And then it's time for dinner with Esther and the king. And even though God's clearly been at work in the situation, there's still this issue, this issue of the king's decree that all of uh, Esther's people, all of Mordecai's people are going to be killed. That's where we pick up the story in Esther chapter seven. We're going to read verses one through 10 today. So the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther. And as they were drinking wine on that second day, the king again asked, Queen Esther, what is your petition? It will be given to you whatever the request is, up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. And then Queen Esther answered, if I have found favor with you, O king, and if it pleases your majesty, grant me my life, this is my petition. Spare my people, this is my request. For I and my people have been sold for destruction and slaughter and annihilation. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. King Xerxes asked Queen Esther, Who is he? Who is this man? Where is this man who has dared to do such a thing? Esther said, The advisor And the enemy is the vile Haman. And then Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. The king got up in a rage, left his wine, and went out into the palace garden. But Haman, realizing that the king had already decided his fate, stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life. Just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was reclining. And the king exclaimed, will he even molest the queen while she is with me in this house? And as soon as the words left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. And then Harbona, one of the eunuchs attending the king, said, a galley 75 feet high stands by Haman's house. He had made it for Mordecai, who spoke up to help the king. The king said, hang him on it. And so they hanged Haman on the gallows. He had prepared for Mordecai. And then the king's fury subsided. The story continues on that Esther is able to save all of her people, not just herself and Mordecai. One person. One person using the unique place that God has put them in responding to the call, the situation with faith and courage makes a difference. Makes a difference not just for a few people, but makes a difference for an entire nation. Mordecai, when he first tells Esther of the situation in Esther chapter 4, After he kind of explains all the details of what's going to happen, he adds these words in Esther 4.14. God has brought you into the palace for such a time 
as this. For such a time as this. And it's true, this was not a place Esther was supposed to be. She was poor. She was uh, a, um, a foreigner. She was an orphan. She was not supposed to become the queen. But God orchestrated her life, put her in this moment for such a time as this. Now maybe Queen Esther is hard to relate to. But believe me, we need to hear Mordecai's call on all our lives. On all of us. God placed you here for such a time as this. There are people around you. People in your homes. People in your workplaces. People at your schools. People in your neighborhoods. People at the soccer field who God placed you there to make a difference. Put you in that situation at that time to be a difference maker. That I know is true. And we have to be open and looking for these divine opportunities. These divine opportunities that God places before us. That he puts before us. And we have to respond like Esther did with faith and courage. Esther and her entire people were facing death and destruction. I don't know what's keeping you quiet or still. But it's probably something less than that. Here's the second thing I know. When divine opportunities are met with faith and courage, that's when God steps in. That's when God steps in and does what only he can do. That's when God steps in and does the impossible. 1 Peter 4.10 tells us, we must use the gifts God has given us. Us, collectively, all of us. God has given us all gifts. We must all use them for the good of others, it says. Today, Esther's situation may feel a thousand miles away. A queen facing destruction of her, not only herself, but all of her people. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, your situation isn't as far off as you might believe. God placed you in specific places, in specific times, in specific families, in specific situations to be a difference maker. Our responsibility, our responsibility is to respond like Esther did with faith and courage. Maybe today, maybe today you know exactly what those situations are. Maybe uh, a a name is popping, a face is popping in your head. Maybe a situation where, you know, you've hoped for a long time that it would just work itself out. You've kind of kept quiet, kept silent about it, but you've just hoped that it would work out on its own and it's just not happening. Or maybe 
there are faces from people at, at work, people in your neighborhood that you know are hurting and they need someone. They need you to step in and be gracious and kind and loving. Today, I hope you heard Esther's story. Not as something that just happened a long time ago, but I hope that you heard it as God calling you through years and years in scripture to be a difference maker, to speak up, to act, to do something. I pray that you, like Esther, respond this week with faith and courage. Maybe for you today, the names aren't popping in your mind. The faces aren't coming up. You can't kind of identify that situation that you've let just kind of roll on for a while and you know something needs to be done. If that's you, I have a couple action items for you today as well. And the first is this. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time asking God to open your eyes to those divine opportunities that he really, truly does put before every single one of us. Ask for God for you to be open to those, to see them. Second is to respond like Esther responds. Or to follow Esther's example, I'm sorry. In Esther chapter 4. After she hears from Mordecai about all that is going to happen, it says she was in great distress. Maybe this week, one of the action items you could do is you could begin to make a list of all those things around you that just don't sit right. That something feels off, that you, you wonder, should something be done about this? Things that maybe disturb you in some way. Begin to pray through that list. Because so many times that's what God does. That's how he speaks to us. He encourages us to action, to do something at a time, in a place, by being dissatisfied. By maybe being disturbed, by just having something unsettled inside of us. Spend some time this week making that list, praying through and asking, God, how can I be a difference maker in these situations? Maybe I couldn't resolve it for everyone, but maybe I could resolve it for one person. Maybe I couldn't fix the whole thing, but maybe I could make the first courageous step. This week. Because if there is one thing this story teaches us, if there's one thing that I think God wants us to hear today, it's that one person can make a difference. Esther made a difference. Because she realized, like Mordecai told her, that she was put in this specific time, at this specific moment, in this specific place, to do something that God was calling her to do. And if we can begin to look at our life with that lens, and we can look to Esther for her response of faith and courage, 
we can be difference makers too. Difference makers in somebody's day, somebody's week, somebody's life, and even difference makers in someone's eternal destiny. That's the call Esther's story puts on us all today. And I'm going to pray for us. The band is going to uh, come up and close our time together. Dear God, you give us this incredible story. This incredible story of a woman who must have had some moments in her life where she said to herself, God, what are you doing? When she was an orphan. When she was uh, left, when she uh, was struggling in life. God, what are you doing? Then she winds up as the queen. She had to have some moments where she's saying, how did I get here? I don't get it. I don't understand how all of this happened. And then when she got the news from Mordecai, that all of her people, all of her family, all the people that she grew up with were going to be destroyed. Then it started to become clear what she had to do. How she could use her influence, the spot in life that you placed her in to speak up, to take action, to make a difference. God, we might not be kings or queens. Our people might not be facing extinction, but God, you placed us somewhere in offices, in homes, in neighborhoods, in families. You placed us to make a difference for a neighbor, for a child, for a friend, a coworker. God, my prayer for every person in this room is that we begin to see our life that way. That we hear the story, not as some story that happened a long time ago, but we hear it today as a call to us to take action, to speak up, to make a difference for you. In your name we pray.